1: Welcome back to 7:55 is real. I'm David O'Brien, praise writer for the Athletic. I'm with uh, Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever, and my co-host. What's up, Eric? How you doing, man? Oh, just making sure
2: my wife didn't get me decaf coffee.
1: Oh, good lord! That'd be grounds for divorce.
2: <laughs> We've made it through a lot. We'll be we'll be all right.
1: You've made it through a lot, but not that.
2: <laughs> no, that's that, that's that's going to cost her.
1: Probably explains why I'm not married, though, huh?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to work some stuff out. <laughs>
1: Well, I have not remarried, (laughs) and it's been a long time. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I wasn't very good at at meeting halfway. I believe you. Hey, man. Come on. Come on now. (laughs) Um, Braves are 16-2 in June. How about that? Would you take that? Even if the two losses were to the Cubs? I think it's funny that, that. you,
2: you know, a couple of the losses to the Cubs could have been flipped you know, that it just emphasizes how hard it is to go on a winning streak like they did, that, you know, you could play a game and a factor as little as the wind can change a whole game.
1: Oh, my God, it did, because they're a team built on home runs. Yeah. And they end up in those particular games, because they have won some games this year playing small ball, but they could not do it in those two games.
2: Yep. Yeah.
1: And the Cubs were, that one game, when – uh When Kyle Wright gave up 11 hits, nine of them were singles, and one of the other was was Hayward's little double that was just a spinning little bloop that landed in front of Duvall and went straight to the side for a double. (laughs) Which Duvall should have played differently, even though it's not much you could have done about the spin, but he came in, charged in, and got too close to it, you know. If you're not going to catch it, then let it do what it's going to (laughs) do. Yeah, yeah. But... But yeah, Wright didn't even pitch bad in that game and he gave up 11 hits. But they come home, they ended up, you know, that was a big win, getting that last win in Chicago yeah. to avoid the sweep and win it 6 0, win it convincing fashion again, hit a couple of bombs in that game, got a great pitch game. So you cut, so you end up, I mean, it just says what one one game can do on a road trip, how it could t- completely change the tenor of the road trip. You win that game, you come home with a 4 2 trip. Instead of a split and getting swept, a split trip and getting swept by the Cubs, you come on with a four and two trip, and it's just like that was a good trip, you know.
2: Yeah, I mean you, you're going to lose a few series on the road.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: you know, but they—that's what everybody always says. You know, you want to play 500 on the road and, and win series at home, but you go four on four and two on any trip, you're super happy with it. But getting swept by a team that's you know struggling in their own right with the Cubs is. That can kind of, you know, hit your momentum a little bit. But, yeah, they yeah. came home and put it right behind them.
1: Um, last night's game was really – that was a hell of a game, man. It had a total playoff vibe to me, uh, the Giants-Braves last night. Braves yeah. went 2-1 on Orlando Garcia's walk-off in the ninth with two out. Obviously, the ninth with two out. Um It just, everything about it felt like a playoff. You had a Monday night game in Atlanta. Here's how far this franchise has come, man, since since what you remember as far as attendance. Monday night game in Atlanta. And I know it's the Giants. They're an attractive team. But that game against the Giants a few years ago, or before they moved to Truist, Monday night, you'd have been lucky if you got 20,000 in there. Lucky.
2: I don't remember. I don't ever remember a... You know, a sellout on a Monday night and ever. in the middle of summer, ever when I was playing for the Braves,
1: hot as hell yesterday. Sellout crowd of over forty thousand against the Giants. Um, it like I said, it had a playoff vibe to it because it was such a well-pitched game between Freed and Logan Webb, just not not fucking around, throwing strikes, boom, boom, boom. You know, it was a pitcher's duel. Um, good, great defense. Duvall play had two hellacious catches last night. Uh, the phenom, Harris, made a great throw that almost cut down Peterson. It was a beautiful throw. Um, and then, and after those two turn it over to the bullpens, I thought, you know, because they loaded the bases up in the eighth against Freed. And I really thought uh, Will Smith did a hell of a job coming in, just <laughs> giving up one run on the single, the line drive to first. You thought, okay, this thing they could blow this thing open right here, but he gives up that single to uh, to, to center. They limit him to one on that, and then Harris gets out of that with that terrific play by yeah. Olson at first base. He goes over, fields that ball in, a, in foul territory, goes where he fielded it, and slips. And somehow, while he's in the air falling, he yeah. threw a perfect toss to Her- to Will Smith who hustled like crazy to get over there, catches it in mid-stride, gets his foot down just in front of a fast runner. Huge out right there, man. That was big.
2: Yeah, you know what's nice about that play is that Will happened to be running toward him, you know, so he was in line with him. Right. Because most of the time, and that play gets messed up all the time, especially if a guy slips or kind of fumbles the ball, but you don't practice a lot throwing to a moving target in baseball. Yeah. So it was at least nice that he was running to him, and he could just throw it directly at him instead of having to try to time it, slip, and then yeah. but still just to keep your just to keep your focus and, and be able to flip it to him like that. And what? the pitch is covering. I mean, how many times? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, the whole yeah. Thing gets I mean it messed has to up. be
1: perfect. It has to be perfect. Everything has to work. And Olsen was literally falling while he did it. I mean, he yeah. was slipping and threw it. Perfect toss. That was a hell of a play, man. Um Will Smith, that was really that was a that was an impressive performance there. And then Kenley Jansen, dude, did the, did the best Kimbrel, Pete Kimbrel impersonation, not Kimbrel yeah, now, did. but uh, Jansen gets two on, two in scoring position with one out and gets out of it with nothing. Back to back strikeouts against two good hitters. I mean, that was uh, that was some pitching right there. They've got that was a that in, that's going to end up, I think that that Alex move that we all kind of questioned at the time. Really, they signed a closer. You signed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got McHugh earlier in the week. Your bullpen is the deepest in in the in the major leagues already. And you go out and sign Kenley Jansen for sixteen million. And we we're kind of we we're scratching our heads. And now that looks brilliant now. That move looks brilliant, especially who could you you, you had to figure somebody's gonna get hurt, but you couldn't have figured you're gonna lose Luke Jackson before the season even starts. Matzik's gonna struggle and then have an injury go down. Um, so that in the long run this year, that's gonna be a huge move signing Kenley Jansen, I think.
2: Oh yeah. And you know, you can never have too much bullpen depth.
1: Yeah, we're we'll um, it again, again.
2: One thing that happens a lot in the pen that kind of gets overlooked because it winds up just being a zero on your stat line, you know, as a reliever, you could come in and struggle one day and say you leave the game second and third two outs. Well, there's a difference of who comes in for you. You know, when you when you wind up having all that depth and you look down second and third yeah. two outs and AJ Miner's jogging out of the bullpen, Instead of some guy that just got called up from AAA because you're you're yeah. down a guy and you get put in the spot and then he gives up that hit. How that outing feels to you the next day, giving up two runs, maybe maybe losing the game versus... Yeah. I had this outing. I, I bet Corey won't mind me telling this story, but I had this outing in 2012 against the, the Rockies. And I had first and third, two outs. And I'd looked down in the pen earlier in the inning and I saw Corey Gearn warming up. And I'm rolling, yeah. too. I mean, I'm having the one of the best seasons of my career. And I look down at the pen, and I see Corey Gearn warming up. And I'm like, no way they're taking me out until I blow this. You know, like, I got this game until it's at least tied. We're up by one. Freddie starts walking out of the dugout. I just give Freddie, like, the meanest death stare of my life, trying to just be like, don't you come out here, you know. And he starts yeah. walking. And right before Freddie Gonzalez,
1: not Freddie Gonzalez.
2: Yeah. Freddie Gonzalez walks out of the dugout. He's taking, and I see him point to the pen and I'm just like, Oh, you mother. Like I'm, I, yeah. I I never said anything to a manager, but at this point I was ready to be like, Hey, I'm staying yeah. in this damn game. So I'm in this mode of ready to fight the manager and the bullpen <laughs> gate opens and Kimbrell comes running out. I couldn't see Craig warming up. I just flipped the ball to, to Freddie and just jogged off the field. Like I'm out of this. Cause that was yeah. when, when Kimbrel was at his, peak you know he was yeah. I I knew when Kimbrough came into that game I was like oh he's gonna strike this guy out and I'm out of it but the difference between who comes in for you right right I mean if Corey <laughs> Corey was Corey was establishing himself at that time but he wasn't yeah he wasn't what he turned into you know so it could have yeah. been it, it was my either my inning or the closer should come in for me and I was ready to right. fight Freddie over over Corey coming in and then Wound up being Craig, and I was just – I couldn't get off the mound fast enough because I it was a get-out-of-jail-free card. I was out of the inning.
1: There's only – there's only at any given time, there's only a, a handful of guys in the major leagues that you feel comfortable can come in. can be in a situation like – or get themselves in a situation like that and get out of it without giving up a run because all you can do is get a double play ball or strike out the guys. Yep. The, multiple strikeouts. And yep. there aren't many guys that you can count on doing that. Keep a guy from even putting the ball in play. Sack Fly gives them the lead last night, you know?
2: Yeah. and that, the ninth inning. That's why he's a closer. You know, the thing yeah. that, that, that Kenley's doing that's that's really catching my eye is he throws that back door cutter that starts off the plate and comes back. Mm-hmm. Like if you saw the pitch Crawford struck out on. Yeah. Uh, he chased a, a sinker, right, that went – I mean, it was never a strike. But had it been a cutter, it would have come back for a strike. And he's trying to hunt that pitch because Kenley threw it to him earlier in that bat. Yeah. Kenley goes to that two seamer and he just mixes it in and they're so locked in trying to pull their hands in front of that cutter that he throws a two seamer that starts on the black and Crawford has to swing in case it's a cutter and it winds up nowhere close. So it's one of those pitches that, you know, you see the overlays on of how they, they split paths like halfway to the plate and he had to commit to that pitch. I don't remember Kenley throwing, you know, that many sinkers in the past, but he's been mixing it in this year and getting some terrible swings.
1: Speaking of man, pinch hitters. How about the the how deep the Giants are, man? I mean, you can see why mm-hmm. they're such a good team yeah. because you don't see this much anymore with the DH. Uh, I mean, they go to the, the Braves, go to the bullpen, and he's got these guys lined up to come in to pinch hit. I mean, they are tough. He brings in in the ninth inning. He brings in uh, uh, consecutive pinch hitters Brandon Belt and Jock Peterson. Yep, you know. And then you got Brandon Crawford to finish that inning.
2: And Jock almost inning. got Canley. <laughs> I mean, oh my
1: God. He hit that ball so far, dude. He turned Jock can turn. On anything. Oh my I, I you look at him and you're just like, where does so much power come from? He's got a big ass and legs though. Mm-hmm. And he just explodes. He's so athletic. People don't realize what a great athlete this guy was or is. Yeah. But we I think we've talked about this before. He was a great wide receiver in high school. Like was, he? was recruited by it. Who's the best wide receiver in the in in the, in the NFL? Green Bay Packers.
2: Who is it? I don't know. I don't watch football.
1: Look it up. He okay. played he played with Jock in high school and Jock was the starter his senior year ahead of him. Over him, Dante
2: that's crazy. I didn't know he was that. I mean, I I knew playing center field and watching him. You know, he's a great athlete. But
1: he was a, uh, yeah. He got recruited by, by some major colleges, and uh, he uh, Devontae Adams. Uh, what is with the Raiders now? Right? Was with asking the, the wrong guy. <laughs> Help us out, Cam. Yeah, he was with the he was with the Packers now with the Raiders. That's right. But yeah, he he was behind Jock Peterson in high school. You tell people that, and they're like, what? That's why Jock did the one thing where he did a, uh, he did like this one time, like made a thing. I think it was like this, uh, like he was catching a ball. They said that was for him, for Devonta. But anyway, um, but yeah, he hit that ball. And I thought, I thought it was staying foul for a second and it just kept drifting, but it didn't go foul by far. But that had to have been 480 feet. And it was sky high too, sky high. It was over the top of the foul pole.
2: Yeah, he can just pull his hands in. I haven't seen too many guys that can pull his hands in and keep it fair like that. But when I watched that matchup, I was like, man, Kenley's cutter coming into him. He's watched Kenley a lot. You know, they're former teammates. He knows the drill here. This could, yeah. you know, I thought that ball could happen. And luckily it was foul. But then he went, you know, he went through him a curveball on a two-seamer and kind of messed him up and, and changed things. But he wound up yeah. dinking a curveball through the shift.
1: But to come off the bench and do that, man, Jesus! It, but uh, how about so the re- how about the standard ovation he got? I thought that was so cool, man. Yeah, he gets a standard ovation when he comes in and does that. Um, and he got a, and he got his ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he got a standing over when he got his ring before the game. The presentation was cool. Uh, he had uh, he had Luke and uh, Ian Anderson gave him the ring because those are the those two and a couple other guys are the ones he's talked to the most. Uh, he's kept in touch. He keeps in touch with all the time and texts and everything. So Luke came back and went out there and gave it to him or came looks here. He just, but uh, obviously he's hurt, but he's been around. He he's been hanging around a lot anyway. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, it had a little bit of everything last night, but once again, you know, big hits from Darno, the first home run. I mean, Darno's got 10 home runs now. He's quietly having a terrific season. He does season it again. so quietly. Yeah. Yeah. He really does. You know, so much attention on, um, uh, understandably so, focused on Contreras, who's got like nine homers and, you know, half as many bats. But yeah. Darno is quietly having a terrific season. And I talked to some pitchers yesterday on the team. They said, like, uh, I'll show you, the, I'll, I'll give you the quote, but A.J. Mentor said, I wouldn't be having the season I'm having if it wasn't for for, for uh, Darno because he said in uh, in Mentor's uh, words, he said, he makes me feel invincible out there. Oh, that's awesome.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a- what you want
1: from your catcher, isn't it?
2: Oh yeah. That's how I felt when I threw to BMAC and, and Rossi. I mean, and the numbers, numbers backed yeah. it up. It's like when I had to actually go to another organization and, and call my pitches, I had no clue what to do. Cause I was just on autopilot for five years. You know, it's like, a, they, they turn into your caddy. They, they tell you what club to hit and all you got to do is swing easy.
1: <laughs> That's a good way to put it.
0: Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. A couple of things. Last night, Orlando Arcia. Man, we said it at the time
1: because Ozzy's not having a great year. Having a good year, not a great year for him by his standards. OPS and under seven hundred. We didn't think Arcia. We didn't think the Braves would miss much at all with Arcia because this is a guy that played shortstop was a was a starter from Milwaukee for a couple of years. Has a better arm than Ozzy, and we've already seen that on a couple of double plays. And this is a guy known for getting big hits when he was with Milwaukee, including yep. a couple in the playoffs. Well. He gets his walk-off last night. This guy's had two walk-offs in his limited duties this year, and he's got five career walk-off RBI now. He has converted two of his three walk-off opportunities this year among big leaguers with at least three walk-off opportunities. He's two for three in those chances. Only four players have better batting average in those situations. Jose Trevino of the Yankees, Jake Berger of the White Sox. Jake Berger, you might remember that name because he's the only guy that's come back from twice torn Achilles, and he's raking. So Soroka's got to be feeling good about that. They had the same surge, and they talked a lot about the d- double Achilles tear. So Jake Berger's been raking for the White Sox. Steven Kwan and A.J. Pollock, uh, those are the only guys that have done more in 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 that as many at-bats with the uh, game uh, on the line or in uh, uh, walk-off opportunities. So anyway, Arcea really making the most of this chance that he's got this year. And, you know, the Bray signed him to a two-year deal really low Price deal last year, late in the season or after the season. And uh, that's going to be a big signing too, because this kid, uh, this guy is showing that he can play every day if you need him to. And if not, he is a great piece off the bench.
2: I'm just the most impressed with, I'm I'm always impressed with guys that can get playing time and have it taken away and not have it affect them. You know, just have that positive attitude and, and wait for their time again and be ready. Cause you know, he's been in the league long enough that he knows he's going to get a chance to, to get, there's going to be injuries. There's going to be something coming up. Guys yeah. going to go a slump. He's going to get a shot, but staying ready is, is really hard because you're working every day. You do all your work. You feel great. And on the day you feel great, you don't get to pinch hit. And yeah. then three days later, you have your one day where you're feeling like ass and guess what? Somebody's sick and you have to start. And there's, there's just no consistency to it. You know, uh, he for me look at what it did to to like camargo not yeah. playing every day yeah. you know he was so great when he came yeah. up and then then they kind of threw him in that role and big he's extent. never been the same
0: yeah and has-
2: arcia has found a way to to just stay ready and get big knocks every time they call on him it's it's something i really respect about players that can that can do that cuz it's it's hard on the ego and it's just hard in general to do
1: you know, he's helped spending time for sure. It's helped around Pablo Sandoval early last year, who was the ultimate bench guy. You know, when he was on before he just showed his age. But I mean, um, as far as learning how to stay hot and get hot, yeah. and know when you, when and, and pay attention to the game and know when you're when your chance to pinch hit might come up or whatever. Not relevant now with the DH. But um, and then the other guy is a guy who has been around the last two years, Guillermo Heredia who yeah. has the ultimate positive attitude, you know, <laughs> yeah. and you can't help when you're around that guy and he's always upbeat and positive. You can't help but be the same way. I mean, Yermo reminds these guys every day, you know, just by the way he is and the way he acts that man, it's great being here. This is awesome. We got a chance to win and we're a big part of this thing. We're going to get a chance to hit at some point and play some point. We got to be ready. I mean, he's just, uh, I like, think it's, it's invaluable. We've talked about Heredia and what he's meant to this team the last two years, but people that think that they can just when they need to make a roster move and they keep pointing to Haredi and go ah Heredia unfortunately might be the guy to go no because the Braves officials see how important he is to his team regardless of what the stats are yep he's huge
0: he's
2: important Barakowski was that guy for for the Braves his entire time there I mean he was he was the heart and soul of the team yeah. you know and I don't I don't know how much credit he got for it at the time but he was always making sure everybody went and ate together he was on the mic on the bus ride and what was cool about him was he remembered every little thing that happened in the game. Cause you, you yeah. win a game and you get a walk off and everything and everybody's celebrating the guy that got the hit, but he's remembering some big play that somebody made in the third inning. Right. And he's calling it out on the bus and everybody's cheering for that dude. And he's ripping on the guy that got the walk off cause they booted a ball in the fourth. Yeah. You know, so it's like you, you have these certain guys that the, the cool thing about Hinsky was he would walk up to even chipper, And tell him something. Just look him dead in the eye and tell him something he did wrong or something that pissed him off. And I think Chipper liked that. You know, Chipper would go back and forth with him, but Ski wasn't afraid to tell anybody and speak his mind to anybody. And I think you know if if there's a guy say on your team that's kind of doing some stuff that's that's pissing dudes off, you have to have somebody that's that's going to say it. And I'm not saying Chipper was doing that all the time. He would right. more just make fun of something about, you know, he called Chipper old or something.
1: Right, right. But I'm not going to
2: say that to him.
1: Now, no, but I don't think anybody else could have gotten away with or no, would have tried but, saying that to Chipper late in his career, <laughs> no. second half of his career.
2: But I, th- I think Chipper likes that because it makes yeah. him feel like you know, Chipper never liked. Yeah, one liked, of the
1: guys or whatever.
2: Yeah, Chipper never liked. Like if you went up to Chipper and were like, Ugh, you know, you don't want to talk to him, he'd just be annoyed. Right. But if you treated him like a peer, he he always seemed to like it. He, yeah. you, know, you know, he's a Hall of Famer. You're not you're not taking that away, but Hisky would say something to him, and he just he'd say anything he wanted straight to your face, look you dead in the eye, and yeah. not even flinch. And you just feel like, God dang! But most of the time, he was right on all of it. And so you yeah. have to have guys like that, and you have to have a guy like Heredia bringing energy every day. You know, you come you come in, and you're in Boston, and you've been on the East Coast and West Coast, and you're yeah. worn out from a trip, and some guy walks in just loud, making jokes, getting everybody right. to laugh. It, it just, you just put everything behind you real quick. You have a good time. You go out and have a good game. And,
1: but that those guy's guys, not, and that guy's not even playing. That guy's not even getting a chance to play like you are.
2: And it's hard to do that when you're not playing. But guys yeah. that can bring that energy. And, you know, it's another ego thing. And it's another thing where they're not wrapped up in themselves. It makes everybody else not be, you know, into their own problems. But you yeah. can't replace that. You know, it's, it's a really hard role to be in. And, like, Heredia's energy, I can't go fake that every day. That's just yeah. who he is.
1: Yeah, he's hype man and Hinsky rolled into one. But yeah, it's funny you said that about Chipper. You know, it made me think. I've thought about this before. I thought I think a guy like Hinsky, Chipper probably loved having around because I mean Chipper for most of his life, you know, his athletic life going back to high school has been this God that nobody's yeah. gonna mess with, you know. And he probably got tired of being always being treated differently than just one of the guys. It probably yeah. felt good to be, you know, not always be the ringleader at you know, to have some guy that could felt like he could, you know, playfully insult you, you know?
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. If if you're just up here and everybody else is down there, you don't get to be in on all the, you know, the the jokes and the team stuff. But I mean, we all knew we knew he was a baseball God. But as you know, my first two years, I was nervous to even say hi to him. And then once I've been around a little while and got to know him, I'm like, man, this dude's awesome. Yeah. But you have to you kind of have to work your way past that barrier that yeah. you're you're creating yourself. You know, I don't think he wants it there.
1: Yeah, he's got that air about him, no doubt. Even though he's not like that. Once you talk to him, he's so approachable chipper will are talking about.
2: Yeah, he's yeah. He's the greatest baseball mind I've ever been around.
1: Seconded. Um get back to the all-star boating real quick. Uh let's go through these. It helps, man. To win the World Series. It's amazing oh, yeah. how, how your profile goes up when people are voting when you've won the World Series because the Braves are all over this thing. Catchers. Travis Darno is second among NL catchers, behind only Wilson Contreras, who's having an incredible year. He's well behind him, but he is second. He's ahead of Yadier Molina, Yadier Molina and Tyler Stevenson uh, and Will Smith of the Dodgers. First baseman. Uh, Freddie Freeman is third and Matt Olsoner's is fourth. And they are like really close in their voting, but they are well behind Pete Alonzo, who's second, and Paul Goldschmidt, who's first, uh, rightfully so. Right? Paul Goldschmidt is, uh, what is he leading all vote- voters for the... Uh, he's second to Manny Machado. In, uh, no, Bryce Harper first, all votes uh, in the NL. Uh, Mookie Betts. Is first. Acuna is second in overall votes. So we'll get back to that. But uh, first baseman, you got Olson's fourth. Second baseman, you've got Ozzy Albies, who's injured, of course, and won't be playing. He is second in voting to Jazz Chisholm. I'm pleasantly surprised to see Jazz Chisholm is second, our leading second baseman in voting, even though matting is not playing him every single day, but he's having, putting up great numbers. I love that. Kid. He's not playing every day. <laughs> he still doesn't play him against some some matchups, but. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jeff McNeil's third. So, yeah, it looks like Chisholm might, right now has got a pretty, not comfortably, but he's with Ozzie out of the picture. McNeil is the only guy that can catch him because Gavin Lux is a distant fourth. Uh, third baseman, Manny Machado. Uh, big lead over Nolan Arenado. Austin Riley is third. Pretty, He's close to Man, uh, Nolan Arenado on that list, real close. Shortstops, uh, Dansby Swanson is second in shortstop voting, behind only Trey Turner. Trey Turner's got a big lead, but Dansby second ahead of Francisco Lindor, Lindor, uh, rightfully so, he's having. They're both having great years. Third is uh, our fourth is, Dan, is Tommy Edmond is having a terrific year for the uh, Cardinals. Fernando Tatis, who's hurt, been out all year, is <laughs> somehow still fifth. Designated hitters. <laughs> William Contreras is second, a distant second, but he is second. That's impressive since he's only, you know, DH, he hadn't DH that much, but they had put him there instead of catching because uh, he's got a chance at DH. Bryce Harper leading by a huge margin at DH. William Contreras is second, though. Pujols is uh, third. Outfielders, Mookie Betts, leading all votes at all positions among NL uh, players, He's got 1.446 million votes. And second is Ronald Acuna with second among all balloting period, all votes in NL players period, 1.398 million. Those two are way ahead of anybody else in the votes, by the way, uh, at all positions. Third is Jock Peterson. And the Braves have... All th- they have three outfielders among the start, the first eight. Again, it pays to be the world champions. Adam Duvall is sixth, not having a, his, the kind of year he'd hope to have, but he is sixth in the voting. Marcelo Zuna, who's having a bad year for the most part, is eighth. Yeah. He's got over 300,000 votes, man. He's ahead of Bellinger and, you know, Bader with Cardinals' tenth. He's having a good year. Um. A guy is not on there yet, but I would certainly hope to see in there in the next round is Michael Harris, a second because he's only been up for just under. He's only been up for just over three and a half, three and a half weeks, just over three weeks. But he's just terrific. We'll talk a little well, bit he's about made him. Made an second. impact. He said huge <laughs> impact, huge. Um, yeah, going down the list, and he is not in there in the top. 20 in outfielders yet. But again, this is probably with the votes leading up to several days ago, at least. And this voting, this voting started before Harris got up. So there you go. That's, there's the first round of uh, voting talking a little bit about Harris, man. I mean, we've talked a lot about him, but it warrants because this guy just keeps raking, dude. He is playing exceptional on all in all facets of the game. He went one for nine in his first three games up, made an adjustment with Kevin Seitzer, lowered his hands to where, like Kevin Seitzer remembered Eric Davis had his hands down because Seitzer didn't like when his hands were up, how he was wrapping the bat behind him and had trouble, would have trouble. He thought he would have trouble because he was really getting steep with it when he could bring him down. Thought he'd have trouble with fastballs, which he was. Lowered his hands. The guy in his 19 games, in his past 19 games, after that one-for-nine start, last 19 games, this kid is hitting 375 with 11 extra base hits, including two triples, three homers, all opposite field homers, 13 RBIs. From He's hitting ninth in the order. 639 slugging. He's got a 1,039 OPS in the last 19 games. He's only played in the Major League's 22 games, and he only played 43 games above A-ball before they called him up from double-A. I mean, and he's playing gold-gulf caliber defense.
2: I mean, what a hard bandwagon not to jump on. (laughs) He's doing everything. He's doing everything.
1: Been a huge, huge addition for the Braves and and just the boost they needed. And he's a great kid. Quiet, soft-spoken, confident, but but carries himself great in the clubhouse, listens, wants to learn everything. It's a dream, man, this guy is.
2: Yeah, I tried so hard. You know, I mean, because you, you've you been talking about him for a couple years, and, you yeah, know, I'd see his highlights in the minors and stuff. And I tried so hard just to be level-headed about it and, and say, you know, I want to see what he does when he gets to the big leagues. And I saw those first, those first couple games, and I kind of noticed that same thing was – how steep you know his swing seemed Uh that I thought he I thought he'd have trouble getting to the high fastballs and so I was just trying to be patient with it and then whatever he did with his hands dropping them and just started raking I'm like I'm sold on the guy you know even though I don't want to be just because I know how hard the big leagues is and everybody adjusts to you I don't know what what more he could do at this point
1: yeah yeah I mean uh this is what the, this is beyond anything the Braves could have reasonably hoped for. And yeah. uh, and you know also it comes at a great time because he's hitting ninth, which when Acuna's going well as he was, That's it gives the, it basically gives the Brace consecutive leadoff guys. Cause this guy's a leadoff guy in every aspect as far as uh yeah, you'd want him to walk a little more, I guess, but he's not chasing a lot of pitches, he's not striking out much, he's getting he's hitting for a high average, obviously. He's got a lot of speed. Um so Harris, I mean, eventually, if, if if they ever want to move Acuna out of leadoff, I don't know why they would, but they might eventually want to um, and at, put him in the middle of the order somewhere. But uh, it's really helped because Acuna has been struggling lately and Harris has been raking lately. So yep. you really, once you get past the initial leadoff, when you come back around to it, you really got a guy letting leadoff with those other guys coming up in those two, three, four sl- slots. He's getting on base so much and scoring. So it's been a great placement of having him there.
2: Yeah, I just want, you know, I mean, you're taking in a bat away every game, basically. Put him right. in a nine hole. Right. And I wonder how
1: three times again last night, 3 for yeah, 3 I,
2: It's going to be a tough call for him because it's kind of like one of those, if it ain't broke, don't fix it things. Right. But when he's hitting like that, it's, you know, I, I think it's only a matter of time before they have to change something and, and move him up if he keeps doing this because – I mean, a guy hitting like this, you you want him getting as many at bats a game as possible, and I know it works putting him in front of Acuna. Um, He's and it's, balls. fastballs? That, that's a nightmare too as a pitcher when you you know you, you're supposed to get this break at the bottom of the order, and especially National League now the DH is gone. Yeah, and now you're basically at the top of the order after you get to the eight hole guy. Yeah, who's not? You know, I mean, there's when this lineup is is really going, there's just no breaks at all and putting him in front of Acuna, you got speed, speed, back-to-back, and then you're going to mess with some power. It's a lot for a pitcher to take on.
1: Yeah, you got Duvall hitting seventh. You make a mistake to him. I mean, I know he's not having a great year at all, but it, it, we've seen recently what he can do when he gets hot. I mean, he can hit it out of the park at any time, at any park. Yep. And you have Arcia hitting, hitting eighth. Yep. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish
0: up the show. apply. Uh,
1: Acuna uh, you know I, I you know we, we probably should take a step back and realize that he makes us forget because he is so extraordinary but we should not we did not expect we said when he came back before he came back from the injury that he's not going to be Acuna it's going to take him a while to get back there but he kind of shut us up because he kind of took off and he was running like a maniac you know yep. on the basis taking it we probably should have expected that there was going to be a blip, even though the first several weeks there was not. But once he started playing every day in the outfield, because initially they were playing him like two out of three games. Yeah. They weren't playing him day games after night games. They were dh him, you know, like a, a whole series on turf. He didn't play in the outfield, dh so once he's been playing every day in the outfield, that might have something to do with it. But we 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 should have known there wasn't gonna just be such smooth sailing. He's not Superman. I know he looks like it at times, but he's not. <laughs>
2: no. I mean, that I kind of had that same mindset. And then when he started doing what he's doing, and he's yeah. so special, it's kind of like all right, this is just what he does. You know, he's just he's gonna be this guy. And you're right though. I mean, it's 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 easy to forget that he missed so much time. And you know right now he's basically at the end of a normal spring training. And you see a lot of guys
1: yeah yeah do
2: do really well in spring training and then have a little slump to start the season but he's um he's <laughs> he'll lock it in. You know, I mean he hasn't you you lose practice of adjusting too, yeah. you lose practice of of shortening your slumps and making adjustments and yeah. we've talked about so many times you can have one bad habit pop up and I think that's the one thing that all that time off um, kind of cost you is you lose a lot of your keys and you have to find new keys because his body's moving different. He's had, he's tweaked a few things in the outfield. You know, I think it was like a groin or something that kind of bothered yeah. him or his hip. Yeah. Um, and groin. he's running on a new knee. So his body's going to feel a little different, but he's going to have to kind of go through the process of, of learning his keys again and making adjustments. But, you know, as far as I don't think you could have asked for him to be moving better than he is.
1: Oh yeah. That's the important thing. That's if the knees important thing. he's not causing problem, and he's running like crazy.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's healthy. So he, yeah. there's no doubt in my mind, you know, he goes through a slump here and there, but he's going to be back and and he's moving like you, like you want him to.
1: And the thing is with Acuna, we know how fast it can change. I mean, nobody's yeah. going to be surprised if he goes out and goes three for four tonight with two home runs. That's how good he is. Nobody I mean, will be surprised.
2: I wouldn't be surprised if he hit eight homers in a week.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
2: he can do anything.
1: Yeah. So that's the least of their worries right now, you know, and and I'm, I'm sure he's pressing because he was raking. By the way, the previous 27 games, 20, 27 games, because he had that little, right when he got started, throw those out. The first, the 27 games though, before this slump, he had 340, 14 extra base hits, including yep. six homers, nine steals, 15 RBIs, and 27 games, had a 434 OBP, 1034 OPS in that span.
2: Yep and we talked about it before the show, but I think one of the best things that can happen for Acuna is Harris doing what yeah. he's doing. Cause that's going to drive him, you know, another young yeah. guy, fast cannon of an Athletic, arm. Athletic. Yeah. Just a lot like him, you know, to
1: opposite to, field power, <laughs> everything,
2: you know, I mean, there's just certain guys that they don't want their thunder stolen. So it's the more that the more that Harris does, the more it's going to drive Acuna to do something too.
1: Harris doing plenty. As we said, three homers, among his nine hits on this six-game trip that ended Sunday. Youngest player in baseball, younger than Wander Franco by a week. Three homers and nine hits, all of them opposite field, including one at Wrigley Field, where the only two homers were hit in the first uh, two games there with Wendy. Seven RBIs on that trip. He's hit ninth in the order. Didn't strike out more than once in any game. In fact, he's only struck out twice in two of his 22 Major League games so far.
2: Yeah, well, one of them was his first game, wasn't it?
1: Uh, not, f- I don't think it was first game, but it was one of the, like f- one of the first three or four.
2: Yeah, he came up a little antsy. He and struck it, out from first
1: one. at bat. I remember that. When yeah, three. St-
2: yeah, <laughs> he had that address. But that was against sure. Alcantara. Yes, yes, that's- all those
1: change ups. Yeah, he's yeah. chasing. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Ian Anderson was talking about it. Yeah, three backside home runs. That's what they call the opposite field. He said three backside home runs. He goes, "It's fun to have him out there. He plays hard. We all love him." Yeah. Uh, and one of them th-
2: was a no doubter. That one, and what the second one he hit in Washington was.
1: Yes, he I mean he got to take
2: time it. on that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, all of his home runs, none of them have been fence scrapers. They've been like, line drives or deep. Um, yeah,
2: I and mean, he when he pulls a ball, I think it's going to go like 450.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he, put, he almost had his first pulled home run last night. Triple, that one foot. You know that wall, the Rick wall is about, I I, I should know this, but I think it's about 15 feet, at least 12, 15 feet. And he hit it yeah. off the top of that wall like a less than a foot below the top of that or he had his first pulled home run last night. And he missed said, that ball. Yeah, instead he had another triple.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, speaking of rookie phenoms, Spencer Strider starts for the Braves tonight, and he is becoming must-see TV, man. That yeah. big arm, 99, 100-mile-an-hour fastball. The little spin after he throws big pitches and strikes a guy out. The mustache. you got fans in the crowd now are wearing fake mustaches, kind of like the Pearls <laughs> last year. So, it's, uh, it, it's going to be fun watching him again tonight in a big series, playoff atmosphere again. I'm going to be interested to see how he responds.
2: Yeah, it's going to be hard to – I think we talked about it a few weeks back, but it's going to be hard when, you know, Soroka comes back, he comes back healthy and he's throwing the ball well. The way Strider's throwing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good problem it. to have. Yeah. Good problem to have. You know, and I mean, I know Soroka, it's uh, it's just so there's, they still, there's still, it's not going to happen right away. Soroka hasn't even started throwing a rehab assignment yet. When he does that, it's going to be 30 days. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, you know, one of those guys is going to have to pitch in long relief. We know Strider can do it and be incredibly effective in it. But if he's doing what he's doing now, starting maybe with Soroka coming back, if they want to be able to control his innings, although you know you kind of handcuff yourself with a guy in a in a bullpen that you that you want following a strict kind of regimen when he's coming yeah, back from an injury.
2: I wouldn't like that.
1: Right. So who knows? They got to do something, but. You know what we said, and it usually these plot these usually these situations take care of themselves. Usually, yeah. somebody unfortunately gets nicked up, has to go on the IL, whatever. Usually, these things take care of themselves. If they don't, it's an even better problem to have.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you'd prefer it didn't, and you had to make a tough decision. Right, you know, I guess you could you could do like a piggyback thing. Um, right, because I don't know what what kind of innings you are going to be expecting out of Soroka, but
1: I wouldn't expect a ton. Uh, you know. No, not, not more than four or five this season, I wouldn't think. But, but Strider's and,
2: built up to five innings, and Soroka gets you through four, and you're up by three. <laughs> you Strider's Strider. at 100
1: pitches now. You know, yeah. if he's efficient, that guy he could go seven. You could wrap up the game. But Strider, uh, I mean, if you need to control Strider's innings if, by that point, you know, because if you get if you look at what his career high is under 100, if you need to control his innings. You could certainly have him pitch in relief again and have it be a devastating multi-inning guy like Hater used to be before yeah. Hater went to single-inning closer.
2: Yeah, and sometimes that that role is even more valuable than a starter. You know, Absolutely. I mean, just being able to pick and choose a guy that has that kind of stuff when you bring him in.
1: Those high just, lever Jennings. I would hate
2: to see. I, I don't know his personality at all, and I bet he'd handle it fine. He seems like he's handled everything he so Strider, well. But
1: people handle it great, whatever it is.
2: It would be tough to, to lose your role throwing the way he's throwing right now.
1: but And they would it would be with his full understanding of why it's happening, that it's only for this year and yeah. that, yeah, you're showing enough now that we know you can be a big yeah. part of the rotation going forward with that yeah. change up his third pitch now. So, yeah, I don't think he'd have a problem with it, especially if they pointed out the innings thing and how they can manage it. so But, yeah, this guy, the ego's not going to get in the way with this guy, man. No way.
0: That's I mean, awesome. like, look
1: at last year. At the end of the year, they moved him to the bullpen in Gwinnett so they can get him to the majors. Never, he'd been a starter all his career Clemson in the minor leagues. So, yeah. Um, speaking of, before we get out of here, another must see uh, rookie. This kid for the Pirates, dude. <laughs> I almost hate calling him a kid because he's such a big dude. <laughs> 23 years old, six foot seven shortstop, O'Neill Cruz. Holy shit, the highlights for him last year in his first game of the year, his third game of his career. He came up for two games last year, and I have no idea why he wasn't earlier in the year. It's got to be up for because yeah. of, uh, for roster manipulation, uh, this, all that. But, uh, cause this kid is phenomenal. I watched him play shortstop last night in the highlights, and I'm going, are you kidding? It's almost like Sid Finch out there. This is six foot seven playing shortstop tallest guy ever to play shortstop in the majors and he doesn't even look out of place he looks like t- an athletic Tatis with another three inches on him
2: yep yeah. 97 saw that throw.
1: 97 across I, the diamond
2: I saw that throw and you know I mean it's hard to it's hard to tell when you're just seeing a quick snippet you know like a little clip I was like damn this dude's got a cannon and then so I looked him up and I saw he was six seven yeah are you kidding me I mean I you know, I, I I see an infielder that tall, and you you assume they're going to be a good athlete. But most of the time, guys like that with that frame, and as fast as he is, you're going to throw him in the outfield and let him run around. So that yeah. tells me that he's slick at shortstop. Like, he can actually yeah. handle it and play it, and he's going to get a shot to do it. But the way he was moving on that throw, I mean, he took an extra step just to throw it that hard. Yeah. 97 across the diamond.
1: Yeah. That is, uh, they showed some highlights on MLB Network. Cliff Floyd grew up watching Sean Dunstan in Chicago. And they showed some Sean Dunstan throws where Sean Dunstan would collect himself because he knew how strong his arm was. And Angelton Simmons could do the same thing, yep. would actually take that extra half step to be in perfect position to throw because he knew how how hard he could throw it. And that kid reminded me of that last night, you know, almost winding up and going, oh, it's all right. I got it. Then it's there. And it's like, and the kid's got power, serious yep. juice. He's hitting not line drives up the middle to the gaps, and can run like a deer. I mean, he's um, that going from third to home. I mean, he gets going in like that for a six foot seven guy. It's crazy. Yeah. So the pirates have really got something there. I feel good for them. You you hope you see like to see good things happen for the pirates. Uh, you know, we just had a team in here, Oakland. That you look at them and they're like they don't even have any young players on that team. I know they got Langoliers coming up. Probably got a couple more guys, but the pirates have got some players on that team. We saw some while they were here. Um, so. There's hope for the future. And, and and with this kid, they've got their Acuna, it seems like. I mean, I don't want to say he's going to be Acuna, but this kid is special. Yeah, special. Well,
2: this was what I saw on him. He had the hardest throw by an infielder in MLB this year, 96.7.
1: <laughs>
2: he had the hardest hit ball by a pirate this year at 112.9. And the three fastest sprint speeds of the year by a pirate at 31.5, 30.7. 31. Yeah, that's like.
1: That's higher than Acuna.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's elite. I mean, but he, yeah, he's, thirty is he was elite. Only, he did this three innings into his debut.
1: But get this: last year he had won 118. Man. He played two games last year and hit one 118 is what I heard. 118. That's almost that's, that's like Giancarlo that's like, Stanton, Paul. Right, right. That, that, From exactly. a shortstop.
2: <laughs> so with a, yeah, the Cunha speed.
1: So. Gives you something to watch when you got to play the Pirates for three games. You know, it's good. I wish he would have been here when they were here last week. I'd love to have seen him up close. Yeah, it's like when the Marlins play. I hate when Chisholm's not in the lineup because he's so fun to watch, man.
2: Yeah, or uh, I, I always like when when you know it's bad news for the Braves when is pitching. But I always like if the Marlins are on TV oh. and, and he's pitching, I'm going to turn the game on for a minute.
1: Yeah, got to have guys like that. Well, the Giants are feeling like that with Max Freed. They hate seeing him because he just dominates them, man. We, you know, it's it says how far Max Freed's come that we haven't even mentioned him last night because seven innings for him with one run is a totally pedestrian outing.
2: It's whatever. That's how good he
1: is. (laughs) This guy's legitimate ace, man. He's one of the best. He's one of the best five pitchers in the National League.
2: With a pickoff move.
1: With a with the best pickup move move in the majors.
2: Yeah, he. That's when you. I think though, that's when you know you've completely established yourself. You know, I mean yeah. if, if Strider did that yesterday, we're talking about it. Yeah. Max does it and it's just like, yep, another good start from Max Freed. You know, that's well, that's yeah. when you know you're you're <laughs> you're an ace.
1: Gotta get him signed long term. They have got to get him signed long term. First and foremost. You still got time to get Riley signed. I mean he's got he's just you know into into arbitration. You gotta get Freed signed, man. Long term. I think you got to get Dansby signed too, but unless they got something in mind for a bridge to Grissom, you know, Grissom's not going to be for another year or two and Dansby, you know, you can win with Dansby, man. And he is slowly, I mean, he's putting up a huge year. I went there the other day and looked at it because He's just doing it by stacking up numbers across the board, but he's like up there in war now among position players, like top 10 in everything. Well, he's doing
2: have, it as shortstop. You know, right? I mean, it's war. I think you know it's yeah, harder to put if, that war up at first base or third yeah, base. But yeah. he's raking and playing great shortstop. I mean, that's that's every team's dream is to have yeah. a shortstop putting up those numbers and playing his defense.
1: Yeah, you got to get you got to get those up the middle guys locked in. They've already got Ozzy locked in. They've obviously got. <laughs> They're center fielder for a long time, and I think they should sign him as soon as possible to a 10-year deal.
2: I'd start offering him those you know, 35 I'd, mil, 40 I'd offer, mil. <laughs> I'd offer William Harris
1: a 10-year deal right now. What's okay. it going to take to get you for 10 years, yeah. man? Get him locked up. So you need to get your shortstop locked up and get your plan in place so you're not – God, man, you could spend a lot of money chasing shortstops. Oh, Was yeah. Because the good ones on that market cost a lot.
2: Watch what Trey Turner gets this offseason.
1: And now, you've, and now you've got your you, – I think you're going to have your catcher locked up long-term because uh, Contreras is showing me he could be the long-term guy there because yeah. Darno signed for another year. Perfect. Harris is going to be ready to take over, I think, in 2024. And, and next year split the duties evenly with uh, Darno, you know, as he's getting older. And DH, DH is great for situations like this. Oh, it
2: changed everything for Contreras. Yeah, because
1: yeah, you can play him some there. You can Ozuna, who you got to pay this huge contract to. You can't really dump him yet. You can put him at. You can put him at, at uh, DH, and yeah, really helps. But Contreras, yeah, it's getting him a chance to play four out of five games. You know.
2: Yeah, he, it's it's huge that they have that DH now because he can get. He never has to be in that spot like we were talking about with Camargo, where you don't play for four right. or five days. You, you know, it's one—you get a pinch hit at bat—that's th- one thing. But to get your four at bats consistently yeah. is—I mean, that's that's huge, especially for a young guy trying to learn the league.
1: All right, seven fifty-five is real. We will do this again. I uh, got some big things coming up. Three games left with the Giants, and then the Dodgers come to town. And and I think there's going to be a reunion. People are anticipating.
2: I saw somebody say they didn't think Freddie would get an ovation.
1: That's <laughs> like, fucking. That's ridiculous. On, I told them, "Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me?" Well, that's people that get too too caught up in Twitter because Twitter can be a really negative place. Yeah, and people think that there are other like-minded people when it's kind of an echo chamber there. But when you go to the ballpark, it's different. You know, there it's just a different vibe, and the people at the ballpark are pro Braves and they want the team to win and they're not nitpicking, you know, and they're not worried about, you know, did Freddie really want to stay? They know Freddie wanted to stay, you know, his agent screwed it up. Yeah. Freddie should have told the agent, make sure you get the best deal from the, so Freddie has some responsibility too, but that doesn't change the fact he wanted to stay, you know, and whether it works out for him great. It'll work out for him great now because he's a great player and he's home in LA, but he wanted to stay. Yeah, and that doesn't change anything. What he did for this organization for over eleven years.
2: No, if you can let that. And (laughs) and they won the World Series. Yeah, it's going to be the biggest
1: ovation that we've ever seen at uh, at uh, Truist Park. Other than the Braves coming home after winning the World Series, I mean, and having that victory parade, Freddie's going to be the biggest ovation we've seen. Yeah, you know.
2: Yeah, and he deserves it.
1: And the only one that might rival it is when Soroka makes his return to Truist Park. That's going to be. Pretty big, yeah. So, anyway, all right, 755 is real. We'll talk to you guys again. Thanks, everybody.